we're going to talk about our mothers this morning. But we know that life is full of trials. And as a mother, you know this. You understand this if you are parenting kids, that life is full of trials. There is no avoiding it. And right now, especially, we're in this crazy time in our life. COVID-19 has come. We've got a worldwide pandemic right now that's hit us. So we've had to adjust every single thing in our life right now. So we were parents. Now we're homeschoolers, okay? I don't know about you guys. I didn't sign up for homeschooling, okay? Some of you can do it and you're amazing. I'm not one of those. We're making it. We're getting along. But suddenly we find out we're, we're homeschoolers, okay? And then we find out that we're cooks too. Like we've cooked meals. But during this, don't you know, there are not 21 meals in a week. There are 432 meals to cook in a week, okay? And I hate cooking. It's not my favorite thing to do. I don't like it. I don't like grocery shopping. Not fun. Somebody else can do the cooking. So 432 meals is a lot. I do like to eat. I like to enjoy them. I just don't like to prepare them. Okay, so we're, we're homeschoolers. We're cooks now. We're cleaning in overtime because all of a sudden we have our families here that are all together all the time. And if you haven't discovered this, I don't know, my family, we make a lot of mess when we're home all the time, especially a toddler. Abigail can take a room in 30 seconds flat and destroy it, completely change the appearance of it. If it was a bookshelf full of books, they're now all on the floor. It looks completely crazy. So you find yourself cleaning and you clean up that room and you go to the next one. And by the time you come back to that first room, it's trashed again. So we're cooks. We're homeschoolers, we're cleaners now, all right? And then we have laundry, or maybe we don't have laundry, because some of you are probably wearing the same pair of pajamas over and over and over and over again, okay? So I'm used to teaching kids, right? I'm, I'm the pastor of our kids' ministry here at Eastgate, and I'm used to teaching kids, okay? And kids interact and engage with you during a service. So I wanna reel right now, if you will comment, in our chat section on there, we've got someone moderating this service. I want to know who has worn their pajamas the most days in a row. Okay, now you're going to have to be pretty bold to actually admit to this, all right? I'm going to come read your comments and when I'm done with the service and see who wins this one. Some of you won't comment, but you've been in them um, for quite a while. So maybe the laundry isn't as big a deal. Maybe the laundry's not really quite there. Maybe that's actually been easier on you, or I don't know if you have a kid like Abigail who changes four times during a day, you know, any given day, and some of those are covered in red mud. Laundry has become a lot, but feel free to chat with us this morning while I'm teaching you guys and let us know. If that bugs you, you can turn that chat section off, and you don't even have to have it going at all, because sometimes that can be a distraction. But for those of you who want to comment, man, comment, comment and hang out with us this morning. I love hanging out with everybody. And so we know that life is full of trials. The Bible tells us that. And if we were not in the midst of a global pandemic right now, we would still be facing trials, okay? Come on, the trials are still there. We kicked off a 
prayer outreach. We had already been working on it, but we were able to, to kick it off right at the beginning of all this corona stuff. And what we learned through this is though a lot of prayer requests came in in relation to that, there were so many prayer requests coming in, still coming in, of people who just had things not related to this virus. We had people that were just dying, heart attacks, family members dying. Um, we have people just suffering from normally anxiety and depression. We have people losing their jobs. Some of them due to the virus, but some of them it's just life, okay? Some people would be losing their jobs all the time anyways. People losing their homes, losing their cars, all kinds of things in life going on, okay? So we know that life is gonna have trials whether you're facing a global pandemic or it's just normal everyday life, okay? You're going to face trials. So I wanna look at the Bible this morning, James chapter one starting in verse two. And I know some of you who know this verse are like, oh no, she's going there. We've heard this over and over again. Every pastor who's done a podcast or a weekly message or a lunch has covered this verse. So hang with me this morning. We're going to go a little bit different with it. Hopefully you're not tired of this verse yet. You're still ready to hear this verse, okay, and what it says. But in James chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything, okay? I love, love, love this verse. Sometimes it can be a little bit hard to take when you're in the middle of a trial and someone says, you need to have joy right now in the middle of this trial. And you're like, no, this is hard, go away. But the Bible says that we need to have joy in the midst of our trials and this produces perseverance. Or in the King James, that word is patience. So if you are a parent, a mother this morning, you know that when you're parenting kids, there are trials all the time. And now we're telling you you're supposed to have joy when you're looking at your kid and you're thinking, I understand why mothers eat their young in certain species right now. How am I going to get through this? Okay. You've got a toddler at home that you can't keep up with that shows up and rings your doorbell at your house and you look at him and from head to toe, there's red mud and you're thinking, how am I gonna get you from here to the bathtub without covering my house in red mud? And where did you find all of that? You know, Or maybe you've got a preteen right now and you're having a conversation and suddenly they burst into tears and you're staring at him, you're going, what just happened? We were having a conversation and now you're crying. I don't know what to do with this. Or maybe you're parenting teenagers and you're trying to give them some good advice in life, but they're already smarter than you. They already know it all, so they don't need to listen to you. Or maybe you have kids that are grown and you're parenting young adults and you see them taking the wrong path but they don't have to listen to you anymore because they are adults now and they can make their own decisions. Whatever phase in life you are, life is full of trials as a parent, but we have to change our mindset in how we view these trials, okay? Because the Bible says that have joy in these trials because it produces perseverance. You are being built up. 
You have something going on inside of you. It's not just a trial you're facing, but it's something that's making you stronger. So I want to look at the Greek word here for perseverance or patience. It's the Greek word hupomino. Okay, and if you're a Greek scholar and I'm butchering this, I am very sorry. Please forgive me. You can send me a message or correct me on how to actually say that right. But that word is broken up into two separate words, hupo and mino. Okay, the word hupo means to be underneath something, under or underneath something. The word mino means to stay or abide, to remain in one's spot. So this carries the meaning that you remain in one spot to keep a position, to resolve, to maintain some territory that has been gained. Okay, you've already gained this territory. You're staying in one spot. Okay, it, it carries the weight of this is my spot and I'm not moving. It may be hard, but this is my spot and I'm not moving. I'm staying right here. Okay, now one scholar, he translated this and said it's like a staying power. Okay, and I just love it because I'm like, you're staying here, man. We're not backing down. We're not turning away. We're staying right here. This is a trial. I'm going through it. It stinks but I'm gonna stay right here. Another one called it a hang in there power, which I love to be like, man, sometimes you don't feel like you're standing, you feel like you're hanging, but either way, you're right there. You're not moving and you're gonna have joy through it, right? Rick Renner translated this and I love the way he translated it. He says, but let patience have her perfect work. I'm talking about the kind of attitude that hangs in there never giving up, refusing to surrender to obstacles and turning down every opportunity to quit. Man, I absolutely love this. Turning down every opportunity to quit. You're going through trials, but you're like, no way, I'm staying right here. Nothing's gonna move me. So God tells us you're gonna go through trials. No matter what you do, it's gonna happen. But I'm telling you, stay there. You're developing this ability to be able to stand strong in the midst of these. So have joy in the midst of all of this, no matter how difficult it is, because I'm building you up, I'm strengthening you, I'm creating you into a better person, okay? If we go and we look at the next verse, verse five, okay? It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you, okay? I love this. I absolutely love this because he says you're going through trials and I'm gonna ask you to be happy through it because you need to understand it's strengthening you, but I'm not gonna make you do it alone. I'm gonna give you my wisdom if you just ask me for it, okay? It's so incredible to know that we have this available to us, okay? The God who created the universe is going to give us his wisdom if we ask. Now, I went through something with my kids um, recently. Both of my children had a different situation going on in life, okay? And it was really frustrating as a mother. I was sitting there and I was like, man, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know. I, I prayed about these situations and they felt like they were going on and on and on. And nothing was happening, you know. And one day I was reading this book on the Holy Spirit. And something in the book just struck me and caused me to look at the situation from a different perspective. And I went upstairs to my bedroom and I grabbed a little notebook. And this is the notebook. And I opened it up to a blank page. It didn't have anything in it. And I wrote down on the top of the page the thing that Hannah was going through 
Then I flipped the page and I wrote down the thing that Abby was going through. And I said, okay, God. I said, you created these two kids of mine. You put inside of them everything that is there. As a parent, I'm frustrated right now because I don't know how to parent these specific things in their lives. And I'm really, really frustrated right now. I said, but you created them, God. So I, I wrote it down and I said, God, I gave you a whole page. Now I want your answers. I said, I need you to answer me and tell me how to handle this situation. And I began to pray in the Holy Spirit over these two situations. And lo and behold, God began to speak to me and show me how to parent these situations. Now, he didn't necessarily take them away, but he showed me how to walk through them and what I needed to do as a parent. And if you look at my little book here, I don't know, hopefully you can see it on the camera, okay? You'll see there's some little pages folded down in between here. So this is my prayer book, and I've changed the way I do things. I write one thing at the top of the page, and then I give a whole page for answers for God's wisdom to be poured into me. But both of these things are on with these little folded down pages. Those are the things that God has answered or given me instruction to be able to walk through this life on. He doesn't leave us without his wisdom. He gives us wisdom to be able to handle these situations. Okay, so he says, you're going to have trials. I'm going to give you joy, but you've got my wisdom. Now, we need to be careful because sometimes his wisdom doesn't necessarily mean we're delivered away from the trial, but he gives us wisdom on how to handle the trial. How many of you have ever seen the video uh, that says, why women live longer than men? I know you're laughing because you've seen it and you know what I'm talking about, okay? It's men doing ridiculous things, okay? I've seen my husband do at least one of those. While he's at work, he sent me a picture. So when I watch it, I'm like, hey, that looks familiar, okay? So God's wisdom would say, stop doing those things, all right? He'd say, stop doing those things. Those are not wise, okay? So sometimes God's wisdom means that we need to stop doing the things that we're doing. But it is amazing because it's going to help us get through this, okay? So the Greek word there is the word sophias. There's nothing really great about that one. It just means enlightenment, insight, or special understanding, wisdom, not naturally attained, okay? Now here's the next thing that I want to talk to you about that's really cool because when we go through these trials and we have joy because we understand that we're growing, we're being built up, and we can turn to God and ask him for, her, for his wisdom in walking through these situations, out of these situations comes peace, okay? God gives us his peace, all right? Look at Philippians 4, 7, okay? The verse Philippians 4, 7 is one of my favorites in the Bible. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, okay? This verse is very real to me. I want to share a story um, from about 20 years ago now, I guess it is. Um, when I was 20 years old, I think, yes, um, my father was diagnosed with cancer, okay? And we spent that year with him in the hospitals and going through this very rough situation in our life. And I remember, I think it was in September, they said, oh, he's going to come in for a few more treatments and then he's going to be done and everything will be good to go. And he went in for, I, I don't remember, I think it might have been his last treatment. And they said, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do. And they sent my dad home 
to die, pretty much, is what happened. And it was this horrifying situation in my life, and I remember those months leading up to it, and I remember on Christmas Eve morning in the year 2000, uh, my dad went to be with the Lord. It was really fast. It, it, it didn't even last a whole year. It was a really fast, aggressive cancer that took over him. But I remember in that situation, I remember going to my dad's funeral several days after Christmas, and I remember standing in the church there, and this verse became so real to me because in the worst time of my life, this overwhelming peace of God washed over me. And every time I read this verse, I take myself back to that moment because I remember that in what should have been the worst moment of my life, I felt the greatest amount of peace I've ever felt in my life. God was there with me. He was watching over me and giving me his peace, okay? This is so powerful to understand. I hope you guys can, can grasp this today, that when we're facing trials, we're not without. We have God's wisdom. He gives us his peace. But here's the thing. You don't get to just walk in this peace, okay? You don't get to just have this. This comes through a process, okay? I want you to look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Okay, it says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, this peace of God comes out of a relationship that we have with God that is formed in these quiet moments and these close, intimate moments with our Heavenly Father, okay? You first have to ask Jesus into your life, then you begin to build this relationship with God, and with it comes this amazing peace, this ability to walk through trials in your life with joy, and then you have this understanding. See, the Bible says that God gives us his wisdom to all who ask. But the problem is when your, your eyes are not focused on God, when you're focused on everything else, you probably haven't stopped to ask God for wisdom. Okay? I was walking through those situations with my girls. And though I had kind of been like, oh, God, help me, God, help me, it was more like a whiny prayer, I almost want to say. But when I stopped and asked God for his wisdom, he gave it to me. Okay? And this verse I love because in the King James, it says go into your room, but in the King James, it says closet, okay? And that word closet in the Greek is tamion, okay? And hopefully, again, I said that right. I'll know that was kind of a hard one to pronounce. But that is a secret place where one would hide his most valuable possessions. But this word has kind of morphed over time, you know, like... Um, the word sarcasm, okay? I love to be sarcastic. I love sarcasm. If you're around my family, we love sarcasm. If you actually look up the definition in the Webster's Dictionary of sarcasm, it's spiteful, it's mean, and it's hateful, okay? And I'm thinking, that's not what I mean at all because we don't really think of the word sarcasm in that way anymore. I have a friend who does, and she hates sarcasm because that's how she views it, but sarcasm in my mind, is funny, silly, joking, all that, okay? So this word has kind of morphed over time and has carried different meanings, okay? So after that meaning, it came to mean a secure place where one could put money or treasure, like a safety deposit box or a vault. And then by the New Testament times, this word came to mean a secret place where one hid his prized 
possessions, okay? They're prized possessions. And now the word kind of carries the meaning or the weight of a bedroom, okay? Kind of like the verse in the NIV said, into your secret room. Okay, this to me is incredible because if you think about it, God is telling us to go into our closet of prayer, which is a place where our most prized possessions, our most valued things, or like a bedroom, your most intimate moments, the quiet, sacred place, okay? And he's saying, come into this place. This should be your place of your most prized possessions, your most prized time with me. This should be The most valued thing we have is our time that we spend with God every single day where we go into this. We have our most intimate conversations with our Savior, the Lord, who has all the wisdom in the world to give to us, okay? And so we have this incredible picture here of this this moment of spending time with God, of being in his presence, okay? So we know that Life is going to be full of trials. We know we're going to have trials. We know that the Bible tells us to walk through these trials with joy because this better person, this stronger person is being built up and formed and created, okay? And then when you come back to these trials, you're going to be able to stand stronger, okay? So if I'm standing here like this, just kind of chill and relaxed, and someone decided to run up to me and hit me, I'm toppling over backwards, right? I'm, I'm not standing up. I'm not balanced right. But then you kind of lean forward and you get yourself, you know, you kind of get your shoulders, put your legs under you, get your, your feet going, you know, and you're balanced. If somebody comes up and hits me, depending on who they are, I'm going to be able to stand stronger, you know, and the lower you get, the more you get, the stronger you are, the, the more you're able to stand under the adversity that's coming against you, okay? So as we go through these trials, each time we move from this position of chill, relax, not on our balance, to stronger, to stronger, to stronger. So the next trial that comes, that's guaranteed in life we're going to have, we're able to stand up. We're able to look to God and say, God, how do I walk through this? And he'll tell us how to walk through it. And then he's gonna give us this peace, this overwhelming peace inside of us to be able to walk through this and know that, you know what, it may not be fun, it may hurt, but you're sitting there just going, wow, God, you're amazing. You haven't left me alone. You're here with me, helping me through this, okay? So we need to, as mothers and as parents, we need to set this example for our kids, okay? Because our kids watch us, all right? They watch us all the time. I remember um, when Hannah was younger, you know, and, and kids like to imitate what you do. And I learned very quickly that I have a lot of friends who like to talk a lot. Because when Hannah imitated me on the phone, she went, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, okay, Uh uh-huh. Uh Uh-huh. And there was no talking going on because my friends are the talkers, which is okay with me. It's fine. I love my friends, but it made me laugh. But our kids are watching us in these moments. They're watching us through life. Okay? We need to set an example for them. All right? So 
I had a mom who was amazing, all right? And I've shared this story before, but if you're new to our church or listening, I'm going to share it again so you can understand um, my mother and the example she set before me. We would wake up in the morning, and mom was an early riser, and you'd walk around the house looking for mom because, you know, she's the only one who can cook breakfast, right? We're not capable of doing that as children. Mom has to cook breakfast, so where's our breakfast? And you couldn't find mom. You went out to the garden because my mom loves to garden and be outside, didn't see her out there, there was always one place we knew to check. And we'd go to her bedroom door and knock real soft, you know, is she there? Mom, mom, you know, and didn't want to disrupt. And if you didn't hear her then, you opened her bedroom door, and what you would hear was my mom praying. And my mom actually took this verse literally, and she did pray in the closet of prayer, okay? When we say closet of prayer, we don't mean that you physically have to be in a closet, but my mom raised four kids, okay? I only have two, but I remember the four of us, loud, active kids, okay? So that was the place where she could go hide. She had her bedroom as a barrier, and then she would go in there, and she would pray, daily. And I remember we always saw that. And when we came to that time when my father passed away, my mom woke us up. It was Christmas Eve morning, early, early at 4 a.m. or 3 or something. I don't remember. I think it was 3 or 4. And she came to all of us and she said, God just told me that your dad's about to go, your dad's about to pass away. So she came and woke all of us up and we went and we stood around his bed and it was actually one of the most beautiful moments in life, though difficult. We prayed and we worshiped God and we ushered my father into heaven. I remember he was nonverbal, he wasn't speaking. He'd laid in that bed for days. They were feeding him morphine. And I remember a tear coming down out of his eyes, crying and he was aware that we were there and we ushered my dad into heaven. Now let me tell you something. The peace that we had in that moment and during his service doesn't come from not having a relationship with God. And as parents, we can instill that into our kids and say, hey, kids, life is gonna be hard. Kids at school are going to make fun of you. They're gonna give you a hard time. Somebody's gonna do something mean in your life. But here's how we walk through trials in our life. Let me show you how. It starts in this moment, this quiet moment with just you and God. It starts in these moments that every single day you build this relationship with your heavenly father, okay? And he helps you get through these situations. Now we don't have to be perfect parents, okay? We don't have to be the best mother on the planet, all right? I look at my sister and I think, you're an amazing mom. I fell short somewhere, okay? She had, um, she tells a story when my niece Kate was little and she brought her this Barbie doll and she said, mom, she only has one leg, okay? Now, the rest of you out there, if your kid brought you Barbie and you had one leg, you'd probably do what I did Okay, sorry, that one goes in the trash, right? Not my sister. My sister went and pulled up a video on YouTube. She shared this one-legged dancer with her daughter and said, you can still do great things and turned it into this beautiful lesson. And I thought, I'd have just thrown it in the trash. No lesson, no nothing. It's broken, it's gone, you know? No, not my sister. So we can get caught up in life of comparing ourselves to other parents, other moms. We shouldn't do that. 
because that only leads to destruction and feeling bad about yourself. What you need to do is set an example for your kids. Show them that you have a relationship with God and show them how they can walk through trials too. You may not always get it right. You may melt down a lot, but you know what you can do as a parent? You can apologize to your child. You can look at them and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Here's why I'm wrong. Because the Bible says we shouldn't be quick to anger. I did wrong. Your mom did wrong. And they're going to see that relationship in action in your life. And they're going to see that and admire that. My mom would come to me and tell me sorry when she did wrong. And I loved it. I never viewed her as a weak mom. I viewed it as someone who could show us and teach us in those moments of weakness that we served a God who was great and bigger and could show us and teach us. Your kids will see the growth in your life. Okay, so what we do in that secret place shows when we come out into public. Okay, some of people look and they, they look at you and say, but you don't understand. I'm walking through this and you don't understand because this person over here has spent that time in that quiet place, in that secret place with God. So they're walking through a trial, but they're standing strong through it and they have joy through it because they have put in the time in that closet, in that quiet place with God. So when that trial comes, they're smiling with joy because they've asked God for his wisdom and he's given it to them. And you're over here a mess because there was no quiet closet time going on. You're not giving that there. You're coming on Sunday morning to church and listening to the message on Sunday morning so there's no meat up underneath there. There's no foundation underneath there to be able to walk through these times of trial because you don't have it, because you didn't put that time in. So what we do in private shows in public with our kids, okay? We have to make this relationship with God a priority in our life, all right? You can look at me and you can say, but you don't understand. I have this, 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 and this going on in my life right now. And I'll tell you, I know, because I have them too. I'm one of those people who'll be like, my life is too crazy, time to scale it back. Let's take some things off the plate and I'll do it. And then I'll get bored because there's not enough plates spinning and I need to do some more. So then I'll add right back to it, okay? So my life is usually crazy because that's how I like it, because I roll that way. I get bored real fast. I like change. I was talking with my sister-in-law the other day. I was like, I got to have change all the time. I'm used to it. We moved a lot when I was a kid. I want things always changing, okay? But no matter how much you have going on in your life, if you don't make it a priority, you're not going to do it, okay? I have a friend and she said, she said, I always thought, you know, if I had all this time, I'd know the word of God, man, inside and out, I'd be a Bible scholar. My house would be spotless and organized and clean. You know, everything would be amazing. I'd be in shape because I'd be exercising. And she said, here comes COVID-19. I'm sitting on the couch eating bonbons, watching TV. Because you know what? If it's not a priority in your life, you're not going to do it, whatever it is. If it's not there, you're not going to do it. It doesn't matter how much you have in your life. You choose every day the things that you're going to do. You can choose to not do something else and do this instead. Martin Luther has a famous quote, and it's amazing and it's beautiful. And he says, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. See, he got it. Martin Luther got it. He said, I've got to pray. I have to pray every day or I will not get all these things done, okay? And the cool thing is, is when we spend this time, when we have this relationship, 
then the blessings of God begin to become evident in our life and we see them and we have them, okay? When we stay on course, then God's blessings are there. They come in the form of healing. They come in the form of miracles. They come in the form of peace. They come in the form of wisdom, direction, knowing what to do in your life, getting a job when you lost one, paying the bills when you have no job. These are the blessings of God and they go on and on and on in your life, but you've got to stay that course. You've got to stay on the right path in the Word of God, praying and building that relationship every day. I recently um, started making a trail at our house because I get tired. I can only do the treadmill so long. I don't like being in one spot. It's boring, it's miserable. So I started clearing out a trail going through our woods. And there's this one part of our woods where there's all these down pine trees. So the trail gets a little crazy, you know, and you really gotta stay on the trail. And I was walking with the girls and I said, look, stay on the trail. There's lots of rotted tree stumps off to the side. There's all kinds of things, okay? Stay where you can see where I've cleared the trail off. And I picked up a stick and did not heed my own advice. And I threw it off to the side. And when I did, I stepped off the trail into a rotted tree stump. One moment I was upright, the next I was down to my thigh in a tree stump. And I'm like, my other leg's sitting out here. And Hannah's like, are you okay, mom? And I'm like, like I said, stay on the trail, okay? This is how it is in life. When we build that relationship with God, when we stay in his will and where he wants to take us, man, we fall and we have the blessings and the protection of God in our lives. Elevation Church recently did this song called The Blessing, and I absolutely love it. Um, it comes off of the verse in Numbers chapter 6, the blessing that he gives the Israelites. A lot of churches use this um, as a benediction prayer. Say, I remember growing up hearing this. My mom was raised in a Lutheran church over and over again, but he said, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And I can never remember beyond that part, but some of you out there can probably quote it quote it all the way through, but the song starts off, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And then the song goes on to say, for your families and your children for a thousand generations, may his presence be before you and behind you and beside you and all around you and you're coming and you're going and you're mourning and you're rejoicing. And it means all the time, may the presence of God be around you. You have the blessings of the presence of God in your life and there's peace in the presence of God in your life and the thing is though that the Israelites lived in these blessings of God when they kept their eyes on God but if you follow the story of the Israelites oftentimes they turned their backs on God and when they did the nation would fall apart everything would go wrong but when they kept their eyes focused on God he would bless them. They fought battles in the weirdest ways possible and won. Like sometimes they never even fought the battles. They sent the worshipers out one time ahead of them and the other armies got confused and killed each other and they didn't even have to fight. And that's how God did for them. When they would keep their eyes on him, when we keep that relationship going and building and growing, then the blessings of God are all around us, but it requires that relationship. How many of you have seen um, like an actor or an actress and you're like, I love them, they're my favorite. And then this scandal comes out and you're like, what? I can't believe that. I really liked them. 
but you didn't have a relationship with them, so you didn't really know these people. You know who they portray on a screen or singing songs. You may like the words that they write, but you didn't know them because you didn't have a relationship with them. Okay, here's the cool thing about God. And I promise I'm closing this morning with this. He doesn't ask us to become Christians so he can put all these rules and these burdens on us so he can take things away from us. People look at Christianity and they're like, man, I don't want to be a Christian. You got to stop doing this, 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 and that. And I don't want to stop doing those things. I like those things. But here's the thing. God tells us this. He says, I sent my son Jesus to die for you on a cross to forgive your sins because I love you so much. And you first and you go, okay, I recognize that. I want a savior in my life. And then as you begin to build this relationship, you feel this tugging in your heart and you're like, oh man, I feel like God wants me to not do that. But then we have this thing we call flesh, which is the part of us that just likes to take the easy route and not do godly things. And it says, oh no, that's gonna be hard. But God's sitting over there saying, it may feel hard because your flesh doesn't wanna do it, but I have for you this huge blessing that I wanna bestow on you, but I want you to give that to me first. And it's this tugging. It's not a preacher sitting there pointing their finger at you saying, stop doing that. That's sin. That's wrong. You're a terrible human being. It's God coming in and saying, hey, I've got something better for you. He's not trying to take things away from us. He's trying to give us a better life, better things, okay? I was this ridiculously shy kid when I was young. Crazy shy, fearful of everything that had to do with people and communication with people. Terrified to even speak in a room with people for fear that someone would judge me or I would say something stupid and I would get laughed at. And I can take you back to the moment in our church years ago when God said, that's not who you're gonna be anymore. I need you to give that to me. And I said, okay. And it was terrifying and it was hard in the flesh. I will never go back to that person again because I dislike who that person was. There was no freedom, there was bondage in that. Who I am today and where I'm going, that is freedom. That's what God gives you. He gives you something better than what he's asking you for. And it's beautiful, we have the Savior. And he doesn't sit there and condemn us. He gives us some conviction on things as he's ready to give it to us. And then he blesses us in return. He gives us something in return freedom and we grow and we look at these trials and we say we have joy in our life through these trials and God has directed me and given me wisdom and given me his peace. But first, it takes that relationship. And I just want to share one more story, um, an image for you. We hadn't worked in our garden hardly at all. We didn't work in it at all last year. So this year we came in and the weeds were like here. I mean, they were awful. So we got in there and we worked and we pulled weeds. We pulled weeds, we pulled weeds, we pulled weeds, okay? For days and days and days came in money, we pulled weeds. I, these things went on forever. I had this massive pile of weeds when I was done, okay? Weeds don't produce anything, okay? They just come in and they grow and they're easy. It's easy for weeds to grow. They grow in the dry, they grow in the wet, they grow in everything. Rocks, you know, you have these rocks and there's a little weed coming up out of them. And they're like, where did you come from? You know, they'll come out of the middle of concrete where there's no dirt even. And in its place, 
We put in tomatoes and cucumbers and plants. We even found a fig tree. I didn't even know we had a fig tree in our garden. And it's like this tall. It's really tall. I can't even reach the top of it. Okay? And I know what you're thinking. That's gross. I hate figs. It's probably not a really loved fruit. But I recently discovered that I love figs. And so I was super excited about this tree. We have a fig tree. So now our garden is cleaned out and everything in that garden produces something that is good. Something that will benefit us, that will feed us and give us fruit and vegetables. And I'm really excited and that's what it is. It's not always easy pulling those weeds. But what we put in its place bears fruit, bears good things in our life. And the person we are is so much better. Man, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you have never asked Jesus into your heart, I want to give you that opportunity right now to do that. Because I know what happens when someone says, I need a Savior. I need Jesus in my life. I've been doing things on my own for too long. I need someone to direct me. I need someone to help me through this life. So wherever you are right now in your homes, wherever you are, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to pray with you right now. And I just want you to repeat this prayer after me. Okay, if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, just say this. Dear Lord, I know that I have made mistakes. I know that you have sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. So I want to repent of those mistakes today. And I want to ask you, Jesus, to come into my life, to be my Lord and my Savior and to help me through the trials of this life. So right now, Lord, as I confess my sins, ask Jesus to come into my heart, make me new, wash me white as snow today. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, man, in the comment section, please let us know. Just put a wavy hand or something. Let us know. We want to touch base with you. I am so excited if God has transformed your life in this moment today. And as I close this in prayer, I want to pray for everybody else out there as we walk through these crazy trials of life and everything seems a little nuts right now. We're starting to go back to normal, but I just want to pray over you because even though after we get through this, the trials of life are going to continue. They're going to happen. They're going to come. They'll just look a little bit different. So as we close this morning, I just want to pray blessings over you guys. Dear Heavenly